Welcome to Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics, where the conversation always gives you a foundation that is built on biblical principles, so you can intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, and the reality we live in, and history. Host Joe Gaona covers topics like apologetics, worldviews, contemporary culture, and the Word of God to help you articulate a defense for how you live your Christian life. See how you can get involved in support Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics by visiting ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com That's ThroughoutAllAgesMinistries.com Joe, where is that magnifying glass? How you doing today? This is Joe Guiona with Throughout All Ages 1530 30 apologetics. We're here to talk about worldviews and why do worldviews matter? You see, every one of us are standing on a worldview, whether we like it or not. We believe certain things, we say certain things, we make truth claims, and so we're all standing on a worldview and how we live and how we act. But as we weigh your worldview on a scale, I want to look at history, science, archaeology, philosophy, and theology, and look at the world that we live in, the reality that we live in, and does it make sense? Can it stand up to have justifiable answers for what you believe in in your worldview? Now, last week, we started talking about the deconstructionists, the deconstruction of the faith of the Christian faith. And where does that go from there? We talked about if you're living in a world where there is no arbitrator, then it's you, your opinion, against 7 billion other people in this world. And so we can't start at that premise. We need something bigger than you and I. But as we talked about this, I want to talk about sin, because the deconstructionists would would always bring out the claim, uh, why is the world so evil? I look at the world around me and I see it so evil and children dying of diseases and getting raped and murdered. And why would a God do this? Well, my answer to that is that if you can give me a better solution in a world that we live in of free will creatures and these free will creatures, they have worth, value, dignity. They know how to make judgment calls, how to love how to hate. And God gave a world that those would be made in his image. And the more they would sin, the more they would fight against their conscience, the harder they would get. And pretty soon they could choose to not listen to the very conscience that God gave them of right and wrong and good and bad. But God has to let scenarios play out. God just doesn't come every two minutes into time and space, into this world that we live in, and cut out every evil that's in this world. He has to let scenarios play out. But he does know this, that one day that this world we call earth will be done away with, with a new heaven and a new earth. And this is why sin would be swallowed up in victory. How? By the resurrection, that the Son of God would conquer death. Now, you could ask almost every historian, academia, a 
about the resurrection. And what they will tell you is when we look at the history account through the Bible of what took place, we see it as a history book. We know Jesus was in the tomb. What we don't know is what happened to that tomb, what happened to that body inside the tomb. But everything up to that place, even the the body being missing, they agree with that. It's where did the body go, right? And so as a deconstructionist, you, you have to reason out these things and say, we have information, we have history, we have witnesses that bear witness of these accounts. Now, would you like to be there during those days? Of course. Would you like how God to somehow show you that those things took place? Of course. But I believe that God gave enough information for us to know these things. And when we look at creation, it tells us in Romans 8.21, you see, I see the Bible as given all these predictions. They're truth claims in the Bible. But God gives all these predictions of what the world looks like around us, what men look like, what what just the earth looks like in itself, the universe as it's winding down. And he gives us these predictions and they always seem to come out true. The Bible ends up proving itself true over and over again. And it tells us in Romans 8.21 that the creation itself will be delivered. So creation, everything within time, space, and matter will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So one day, as every constructionist, deconstructionist that takes apart the faith, that Jesus refers to this, and we talked about this last week, as a time of a pilgrim, of a pilgrim going through the land. And that we're only here for so long. Those who choose to live in the light, that there is heaven awaiting them as they accept Jesus as the way out. Jesus that paid for the sin and the resurrection that he conquered death. Where is the grave's sting? And so we need to look at this, that man and creation is one day going to come to an end where there will be no more diseases and sin. And then we get to the rule book, right? Morality, the Ten Commandments, the commandments of God. When we look at the commandments of God, these are commandments that were written in stone in the days of Moses for it to be written down. But the Bible also says that it's written within our very structure, our very being made in the image of God. So although we don't know God, and although we don't claim him as Lord, all the people of the world, they still are made in his image. So they know what good is. They know what right and wrong is. They know it's wrong to lie and steal and to murder just to murder. But again, it's this hardening of the heart. But I like what Romans 2.15 says, for those who are not Christians, for those who do not know Jesus as their Savior. It says this, that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, right? Their very being. Their conscience also bearing witness. So you have a conscience that bears witness that these laws are written in their hearts. And between themselves, their thoughts accusing or else excusing them. In the day when God will judge the secrets of men 
by Jesus Christ according to the gospel, according to the Bible. And he will judge them based on these Ten Commandments. You see, we all need an objective standard for morality. How are you going to teach your kids that it's wrong to lie, cheat, that you need to honor your father and mother, that there are certain practices that are wrong and not good? You can't. You wouldn't be able to do it within yourself. There's nothing of the human being that can have an objective value for morality to say one thing is right and one thing is wrong. You see, because if you do not choose the Christian worldview, then it's the atheist of random chance and natural selection. And the recourse for that is that you are determined as chemicals to just do what you do. There's nothing wrong or right about it. And so we have to look at that as a worldview. Put that on a scale. And are you living in that worldview? Because I tell you, most of the time, the deconstructionists or the atheist or the skeptic will jump on the Christian worldview when it comes to morality. Now, God gave us this morality, but he gave it to us not of just rules and regulations, but this is his very attribute. This is his very nature when he says, I don't lie. And because you are made in my image, you don't lie. I expect you not to lie. I don't steal. And so I expect you not to steal. I don't commit adultery on those that I love. And I don't expect you to commit adultery on the one you love. And so this is where we get these commandments. They come from the very nature, the very attribute, the very characters of the Christian God. And what's neat about the Christian, we have a justifiable answer. Whether you agree or not, we have a justifiable answer that outside of us, that there is not just this God. And this is when we come to polytheism and, and pantheism, gods. We don't just have a God, but we have a maximum supreme being, a God that is a God above all other things. That he was never created, that he has always been. And when we look at science, we see this as a reality. Because as we go back to this infinite regress, what made the car? Well, the parts did. Well, where did the parts come? They came from the chemicals. Where did the chemicals? And you get back all the way down to this regress where you now you get down to where there's just time, space, and matter. Well, where did that come from? Well, it had to come from something outside of that. And if you're going to go there, and you have to go there, you only have two choices. Either we came from nothing, or we came from something. And this something has to be something with a mind, right? And so we as Christians, we go outside of us to a God who's all-loving, a God who's a just God, who knows all things. And because he knows all things, he can set a value system of rules for us to know that this is objective truth, that this is an objective truth. And so I would say to the deconstructionists, have you weighed out that value, that there is no other worldview that has objective truth to it? And every time you say, well, God didn't really mean to say that, you're going against the truth because it's clearly saying some things are good and some things are bad. Some things are evil and some things are good. And those are, this is a value system that God has put. And he says, they're objective truths. 
So even to go against that would call him out as a liar. And so you would have to deal with that. So for the deconstruction, uh, it just keeps on falling apart. The farther you go into living your life the way you want to live it, it just begins the consistency. The The contradictions that begin to develop come deeper and deeper and more and more as you begin to be your own God. So the rehab, the Christian has a rule book that I hope the deconstructionists would consider. They would say that the Bible is, is not infallible, inerrant, the sufficiency of the Bible. But the Bible declares men were moved by God that all scriptures, even the New Testament, is given by inspiration of God and that it is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction for instructions in righteousness that jesus said the holy spirit brought remembrance to these men when declaring the scriptures and he told us that in john 14:26 the helper the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that i said to you As we come to the end of the first half, stay with us as we talk about deconstruction for the Christian faith. This is Joe, 1530 Apologetics. Don't go away because there is much more to come with Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise. Throughout All Ages Ministry, 1530 Apologetics goes into the public high school to build up the student's character to intellectually think about their worldview and weigh it with truth. Studies show 75 to 85% of all college students who grew up in a Christian home are walking away from their faith. For more information about 1530 Apologetics, go to throughoutallages.com. Welcome back to Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. And now, here's your host, Joe Gaona, on K-Praise. I'm glad you can come back for the second part of Throughout All Ages, 1530 Apologetics. We're continually talking about deconstruction with the Christian faith. Now, Jesus confirmed the scriptures were real and authoritative when he said stuff like Luke 4.21. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Or something like John 42, John 7, 42. Has not the scripture said that Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So Jesus always went to the scriptures that that would be the objective truth that he's declaring to the people. When we talk about the Bible being infallible and inherent, when we look at the manuscripts, that from the first time the signature taken off from the apostles or from Luke or from Mark, that when it was taken off from them, that there is where we get the infallible, inherent word of God. But then as we begin to look at the manuscripts, you know, 1500 years of just radical chaos and martyrdom done to the Christian faith. But we held it together, and we know that God directed this. And when we look at the Bible, that it is infallible, that it is inherent. When we look at the manuscripts that we got now, we we weigh them out. We lay them all up, we line them all up with all the variants that it has. And we can say, you know, Bart Ehrman says, there is no significant changes 
to the Word of God. So to the deconstructionist, what are you trying to say? Because there is no significance when it comes to those variants as we gather all the manuscripts. Dan Wallace, 99% does not change the text. The 1% that we have changes no essential doctrines. Do you know what that means? That means even if we didn't have the Bible and God just wanted us to get the essential doctrines out, we didn't have all this history about everything that took place. That if you were a Christian today, it was because you believe in the tenets and the doctrine. And that's all you had. And guess what? In the word of God, there's no variant that changes those doctrines throughout the 2,000 years of history of the church. And so you need to hold that and weigh that out as a truth claim. When we look at the Bible as the word of God, it tells us, He answered and said, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So we know the Bible came from the mouth of God. That Jesus, the Logos, the word that he came down and dwelt with men. We talked about that last week. But more than that, that God gave us these manuscripts. God has always given us manuscripts to look at what he has told the prophets and the people. And so to say that God didn't know how to write his manuscripts in such a way that definitions uh, were not a standard, that there was no objective truth to all the verses in the Bible. No, it, it can't be that way. God knew how to communicate to his people. And this is why he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is these words that is our starting point. It's not the world around us. It's not the things around us. There's no, there's no worldview out there that overrides what the Bible has given us. The sufficiency of the Bible for how we live our lives is greater than any other worldview that we have out there. And we talked about the manuscripts. And so when you look at them, yeah, you can see changes. You know, you can look at 1 Thessalonians 2.7. You want to see a variant? This is a variant. In 1 Thessalonians 2.7, it says, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. Or another manuscript says, But we were like infants among you like a nursing mother. So when you read that, But we were gentle among you like a nursing mother. Or we were, li- or we were, or we were infants among you like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. Is there a huge difference in that? No, there really isn't a huge difference in that. And most of the variants are like that. The woman caught in adultery. We have that in the Bible, that if you don't want to say that was part of it, take it away. Does it take away from the Christian faith? No, it doesn't take away anything from the Christian faith. And we might find more manuscripts that show that that really did happen. And then what will we say? And this is why Christianity doesn't burn or destroy our manuscripts. We try to keep them intact so we can lay them all out there and we can put in the Bibles things that we don't know for sure. But it doesn't change what we believe in. So when we look at the Word of God... We know after the resurrection, 20 years later, there was all this oral tradition for 20 years. And then 20 years later, we begin to write manuscripts of what took place. The last apostle dying around 90 AD. No other antiquity of history 
comes as close as this when we're writing down the things that took place in history. Yeah, we don't have the originals, but we have thousands and thousands of manuscripts. We got thousands and thousands of lectures. We got manuscripts going to the very Greek uh, language that they used back then. And so, no, I don't see why the deconstructionists would have a slippery slope when it came to the manuscripts of the Bible. And then when we talk about the foundations that God gave us, yeah, you can choose not to believe that. But I tell you, when I look at life, I see it that way. Some of the foundation of the realities that we live in is not this identity of who we are. Oh, today I identify as this or I identify as that. If you look back at the dysphoria that took place before this, you would see that the reason why they chose not to call it dysphoria is they're looking for a band-aid to put on so many people that are confused in their mind. And because they're confused and it might hurt them, they decide to put a band-aid on it and saying we're not going to call it something disruptive, even though they would do that to a lot of other diseases like mental illness. They didn't want to do it that way. Of course, there was a lot of politics involved. But when God created man and woman, I can see that. Even in evolution, as we procreate, this is the outstanding effort of procreating is that you need a man and a woman. That the family structure of the family is sacred. That you need that to move along society. That you cannot destroy the family structure. That relations are only to be between a man and a woman. And everything else is something we choose through desire, through lust, through dysphoria, through medical conditions. That throughout the Old and the New Testament, sin has always been sin consistently. He never had to change the definitions for what sin was. And that God created kinds. And if we look at the species around us, it makes sense. We don't find any type of science that shows us that one animal changed from one kind to another kind. And so the kinds make sense. And of course, of this foundations of realities, we have the laws of logic, the preconditions of intelligibility, the uniformity of nature and science. What holds all that together? I mean, when we talk about these things, the uniformity of nature, the preconditions of intelligibility and the laws of logic, they're immaterial, but they're universal. And so you would need someone that's universal or immaterial and personal to hold these things together. The laws of logic, they're immaterial. That if the deconstructionists would look at this, they would say, look, they're immaterial, they're universal. Where did the laws of logic come that when there were no minds, that when there were no human minds, that you could not have the sun here and the sun over there in the same uh, sense at the same time? Because the laws of logic were here even when minds weren't here. We didn't construct it. The law of contradiction, the law of identity. When we talk about the uniformity of nature, These laws of nature that are consistent day in and day out, the science doesn't know why it does what it does consistently. Year after year, millennia after millennia, in a world that evolution says is random chance and chaos, why would it be so consistent? And yet something, these laws, these laws of nature, they're just laws of nature. They're describing something. But why they do what they do, no one knows why they do that. 
And yet God says, I hold it together, the consistency, the uniformity of nature, that tomorrow will be like today will be like the past, or the past will be the same tomorrow. God says he holds these things together. He tells us that in the Bible. The skeptic, the atheist, other worldviews, they don't have answers for that. That we couldn't even do science at all if it wasn't for God holding nature together day in and day out. And then we see that God grabbed the church. And he said, God has chosen to build his celestial city by the instrument of the church. Yet the church cannot contradict the very word of God, the Bible. The Bible is the stance. The Old Testament, then the New Testament. The New Testament can't contradict the Old Testament. And any book that you put above that, any other worldview you put on top of the New Testament, it cannot contradict the Old Testament and the New Testament. But God has chosen to use the church to evangelize to the people, to show the people that there is a God. That we can look around us, not only through people, but we can look at nature itself. That there must be a creator being. You see, and when we talk about all these gods, the pantheism god, the the pantheism god isn't all loving. We know that. So when we talk about a maximum supreme being, it has to be all loving. It has to be omnipotent, omniscient. And just on that one point on pantheism, pantheism is not all righteous because within all people having God in them, those people have evil. If they are part of this God of pantheism, then there's evil in it. And if there's evil in it, it's not all righteous. And so that's a contradiction of terms. And as we look at the infinite regress, you cannot have many gods that are made in the same qualification as a maximum supreme being. That's why we call them a maximum supreme being, because of infinite regress. It takes you back to one God who is maximum supreme of all other things that ever been. That's called the infinite regress. And this is why the Christian has an answer for the monotheistic God who is immaterial, invisible, omniscient, omnipotent, all-knowing, all-powerful, all-righteous, all-loving. That is the maximum supreme being. All right, guys, this is Joe with 1530 Apologetics, and we'll see you next week. Have a good day. That's a take, and this has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics. You can learn more about your host, Joe Gaona, how to support and get involved with 1530 Apologetics by visiting throughoutallagesministries.com. That's throughoutallagesministries.com. 1530 Apologetics is vigorously setting the pace to give easy answers to hard questions in the culture we live in. So be sure to join Joe at this same time next week for more biblical principles to help you intellectually and critically learn to weigh out decisions about life with truth, facts, contradictions, the reality we live in, and history. This has been Throughout All Ages 1530 Apologetics on K-Praise.